Shring. And welcome to another episode of Iron Sharpens Iron. On this week's episode, we have uh, our continuing friend of the show, EJ. Welcome. And uh, making her first appearance on Iron Sharpens Iron is the Reverend Shirley Whitlock. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. And uh, uh, Brother uh, Robert DeBose, uh, we asked him to be on the show too. And uh, he's attending a Sunday school event online on Saturday. And I said, that's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> the AME Church just keeps taking and taking and taking. <laughs> Ooh, let me not say nothing. <laughs> that was loaded, Reverend Moran. That was loaded. All right. <laughs> Amen. Well, we got to laugh, right? You got to. Yep. <laughs> All right. So uh, we are continuing on with uh, the rise of David. And uh, the last episode, I named it the rise of David. And, uh, as we went into the, the these next chapters that we're going to cover, uh, the commentary I was looking at called it the rise of David. So um, this is what we are, are studying. And um, so we are looking at 1 Samuel 18, 19, and 20. And uh, so I'm just going to give an overview of chapter 18 first, and then we'll do an overview of each one as we get to it. So uh, we we got into 18 in the last episode, mm-hmm. and uh, we we ended when the uh, the people uh, were uh, singing and dancing and saying that Saul had slain thousands and and David had uh, ten thousands, and that's. Saul was very angry, um, and he really became very suspicious of David. Then the next day, an evil spirit from God forcibly came on Saul, and he was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre, which he usually did. And then uh, Saul snaps and tries to pin him to the wall with his spear. And uh, so uh, uh, it says that Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David and departed from Saul. And uh, so he sent David away and uh, put him in command over a thousand men. And David uh, led the troops. And everything that he did was a success. And when Saul saw how successful he was, he it increases fear of David, and uh, so Saul tries to uh, marry off his daughter to David, and that David uh, declines, saying that he's not worthy of being married to royalty. Basically, is what he says that David is uh, staying in his lane, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm a farmer. What are you talking about? Yeah, I don't want no queen. I'm a shepherd, man. Come on. 
So in deceit. And Saul is offering his daughter's hand to to somehow trap him. And uh, he eventually ends up marrying his youngest daughter, uh, Michal. Oh, and uh, for and David, of course, uh, declines again because he he says he's not worthy of uh, marrying her. So Saul says, "You can have her if you bring me back a hundred uh, Philistine foreskins." What is up with that? That that threw me <laughs> off. I was like, "What kind of?" Kind of territory. Yeah, they use that women back there for any catch they can do. <laughs> I'm like, why it's is the truth? Yeah. Why the why not like a like a, a a finger from each from each person he's slain or, or or the head or something? Why the foreskin? Well, I have an answer for that. Let's just wrap up this the, okay. this chapter. Uh, <laughs> so he does marry Macau. She does love him. And uh, let's see, what else? And then uh, the Philistine commanders continued to go out to battle, and they often, uh, as often as they did, David met with more success than the rest of Saul's officers, and his name became well-known. So um, I, I think asking for a trophy like the, the foreskins of the Philistines, I'm guessing... Um, was because that was like one of the main ways that you could tell the difference between the Jewish people and everybody else. Because they had to be circumcised. Because they had to be circumcised. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I didn't know. Okay. See, this is, I'm learning. So, and 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 there was kind of uh, there was kind of a duality in him sending out David to do that. That you know, this is <clears throat> the Philistines were Saul's a number one enemy, and so David going out and doing that to the Philistines' men was, uh, you know, kind of a, a a punch in the face of their dignity. Very demoralizing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, my question: What about? Um, what my question is. There's a statement, keep your enemies closer. Um, and I believe Saul did that with David because he needed, he wanted to really, he want, he knew David had something. He knew David had something special. He knew that and he was jealous of it. He was jealous and he, and he would use, see when people can get into your mind and see what you're doing, they know how to get to you easier with the knowledge they have about you. Mm-hmm. If they don't know anything about you, it's hard for them to figure out how to get to you. But if Saul could keep David close enough to him, yeah, give him my daughter. I don't care. He didn't care which daughter he had. All he wanted was him close enough to him so he could keep his eye on him. And he probably was whispering in the daughter's ear, this is what I need. This is what I want. Because daughters and fathers back there were close, even though they had a bunch of them. There was something about the relationship of a daughter and her father. So he didn't really care what daughter he had. All he wanted to make sure that he had one of them in that house. Mm. That was going to keep an eye on him when he couldn't. You know, because back then they got, they drank wine they, and they, they laid with their wives and did what they had to do. And that, and then, oh, I'm just going to say this, this is a commercial. And then in the same way today. Hmm. You can whisper good nothings in their ears and they'll tell you everything they you 
You want to know. So nothing has changed under the sun. Right. And I believe that's why Saul kept David so close and used his daughters to do it. But uh, but unfortunately, oh, go ahead, uh, EJ. Oh, I, I I have another question. So right. so hold, hold on to your question. Hold on to your question for a second. Um, the 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 only the the downside for Saul is that in, in all his attempts to be sly, he's not he's not well enough mentally to be sly. No, because he he bursts out in rage and tries to spear david and the other downside of that is the daughter fell in love with david yes yeah that's so, the other downside of it right so my the question, girl falls in love she's in love you know what i'm saying so mm -hmm. she's not so subject at that point to give the father who don't know who's cuckoo for cocoa puffs anyway what he needs right so, so, so I, I, I get that i get that Saul's crazy and, and all that but he knows that the Lord is with David. Why would he even Absolutely. try to, to throw spears and, and and do all this sneaky, conniving stuff against them? You know, like, I don't know. I don't understand. The devil. What did the devil do? What did God tell the devil when he tried to get hope when he was going here and fro trying to say, he said, have you tried my son, Job? Right. Mm. So the devil knows that God is in control because he gave him exactly what he needed. He told him exactly what he can do. You can have his family. You can have this. You can have his animals. You can have his finances. You can have everything. You just can't have his soul. So the devil knows exactly who God is. He came from heaven. He knows that God is in control. But did it stop him? Mm. Absolutely not. He's still hanging out, ain't he? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so, and he knows. He tried him. He did everything to get Jesus to follow him. So that's the same way as Saul. Yeah. Saul, no. Mm. But it ain't so, stopping, right? Oh, I, I like I like that uh I like that uh, parallel. So uh, EJ, do you know the story of Job? I did not. <laughs> that right, was so, wasn't my fine reading. <laughs> so, <laughs> so so Reverend Whitlock was referring to was that the beginning of the story of Job. That uh, uh, the the devil basically goes to goes to God and says to God that the only reason why Job is so faithful to you is because you have blessed him with riches and property and family. Oh, I think I have heard about this. So yeah. then he takes everything away from him, right? Yes, he's like, all right, you can so take everything away from him, but his soul. He's like, watch this, then okay. gone. Yeah. And then and said, and that's it, what the Lord is good. <laughs> Job remains faithful. And so to, to look at because you know, I, I always wrestle with the um with the uh happening that go back going back into Exodus that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. The Pharaoh's heart. So I you know you always ask the question, well, if God didn't do that. You know, when Pharaoh said, okay, go ahead and leave, <laughs> you know, right. um, and then, you know, God is putting this evil spirit onto David, but you, but putting it in that context where God remains in control, that, that puts uh, a more understandable twist on it for me. 
Brother, mm. Moran, I, uh, Reverend Moran, I just preached a revival last Thursday, and um, and I used, and it was, um, you, you know, it's easy to say the devil did this, the devil did that, but my part of my sermon was we give the devil too much credit mm. because truly God is really in control, and as Christians, we don't want to look at the fact that God would do something like send a tsunami, like God would do something to send nine. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to bring uh, COVID to the world. Associate him with but, terrible but, you, but if you go back and get ask Job, he'll tell you, God threw me <laughs> under the bus. It was God <laughs> who told him, have you tried my son Job? You know, people, you get, you That's read crazy. the word, and, and like you said, a Pharaoh. Pharaoh had no choice. Pharaoh was no bad man. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And yeah. Saul is God. Um, Saul is who he is because of God. Because my sermon was God will take you down and bring you back up. Sometimes we as people and as Christian people are so hard headed, you know, and we're doing things in the church and not doing things that we should be doing. That's why we are in the predicament we are in now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't know where your political standings are, and and, I, I, and this is not an argument, but God allowed Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that goes on, we have to remember that God is in control. And if we believe that with all of our faith, even COVID, even hunger, he, the Bible says the, the, the poor will always be with us. Well, Mm-hmm. But things are allowed. Saul's being Saul is what's going to make David a stronger person. Right. It's always some good that's going to come out of the story. Mm-hmm. But we have to remember God is in control. We give Satan too much. Oh, I stubbed my toe. The devil made me do it. Oh, I cussed. The devil made me do it. The devil ain't made you do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> he don't have that kind of control. He's stupid. But he has enough sense to know that. God is going to do what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. And every time, and, and I told him, I said, every time you say the devil made me do it, you gave him another chance to sit back and say, oh, I got me another one. Yeah, you gave, gave him another credit. You gave him another credit. Yeah. we got to stop giving him credit. Read your Bible. In the beginning of the Bible, he's a serpent, a, a snake. What is he at the end of the Bible? He's a dragon. Why is he like that? Because people keep feeding him. Mm. Really? I didn't know yeah, that either. The more credit, you ever known how kids, no, you don't, because you're still one. <laughs> the more you give your child a pat on the head or a pat on the back, you did so good, baby. Oh, that, okay, you didn't do it right that time, but we're going to do it over and we're going to make this happen. You're putting something in them to make them stronger. If you say, look, didn't I tell you not to do it this way and you're supposed <laughs> to do it this way? But first of all, they're going to turn off and you're, and they're not growing. So every time you give the devil credit, he gets bigger. Mm. Just my commercial for today. Okay. <laughs> Brought to you by the Reverend Shirley Whitlock. <laughs> <laughs> so Saul is just being who Saul is. Yeah. Gotcha. So, um, I think we can move on to the next chapter, you think? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm, Cuz I didn't read it. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're tipping your hand. 
Here we go. Okay. All right. So we're we're in chapter 19 now. And uh so Saul tells his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David. But Jonathan had taken a great liking to David and warned him, My father is looking for a chance to kill you. Uh so he told them to be on guard. And uh so Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul and uh, said to him, uh, let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you, and what he has done has benefited you greatly. And uh, he took his life in his hands when he killed the Philistine. The Lord won a great victory for all Israel, and you saw and were glad. Why would you then wrong an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? Huh, remember that other story? What's that? Remember that other story that matches that a little bit? Which one's that? The story of Jesus. A man that was killed for no reason. Oh, for no reason. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so Saul listened to Jonathan and took this oath. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. So Jonathan uh, tells David about the conversation. And then once more, war broke out. And David went and fought the Philistines. And uh, he he struck them with more force than he ever had before. But then an evil spirit came on Saul again when he was sitting in his house with his spear in his hand. And uh, Saul tried to pin him to the wall. But David eluded him and escaped. So Saul uh, sent men to David's house and to watch it so they could kill him. But David's wife, Michal, warned him, if you don't run for your life tonight, tomorrow you'll be killed. And so she helped him down out through a window and he escaped. And then she made an effigy of him in a bed. Uh, so that people would think that he was laying sick in bed. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it tricked uh, Saul's people uh, once, but not the second time. And uh, Saul said to his daughter, why would you deceive me like this and send my enemy away so that he escaped? And she said, uh, he said to me, let me get away. Why should I kill you? So David was basically saying, if if it was correct, did he act? I, I don't remember if he actually said that, but uh, if if she didn't let him go, then he would kill her to get away. Mm -hmm. Um. So he made his uh, David made his escape and went to Saul's hometown of Rama, and uh, the prophet Samuel was there. Uh, and word came to Saul that uh, David is in uh, Neowith at Rama, And so he sent men to capture him. But all of a sudden, all the men that he sent started prophesying. And then when Saul heard that uh, his men were not successful, that he went and he started prophesying too. What so does that mean? Exactly. So uh, 
we could say that uh, the spirit, well, the spirit of God, it says here, the spirit of God came on Saul's men. The spirit of God came on uh, Saul. And they uh, were, were praying, offering insight that prophesying doesn't always have to indicate that they were telling the future. Okay, okay. So they were they were swept up in the spirit of the Lord is the way I interpret that. Okay. Gotcha. So it seems that uh, God was putting the brakes on all of this so so David could get away. Mm-hmm. It was it's so sending him a covering. Yeah. So any any thoughts about the, this chapter, EJ? Saul's really confused. He lets the he lets the evil spirit in one one minute, and the next minute he's he's praying to the Lord. I mean, make up your mind. <laughs> Pick a team, man. Confusion, my son. Confusion. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, I mean, we we might we might um, go so far as to postulate. That uh, Saul was not a, a man with a firm foundation. That he that he he's easily manipulated. I guess if God wants to manipulate any of us, that uh, we are no match for God. I guess so. I mean, but uh, yeah, I mean he he definitely is uh, easy to manipulate as and- one. One spirit comes upon him, and then an opposing spirit comes upon him, and he he goes with it. And all all, all that all that sch- all the scheming he was doing it backfired because he, like you said before, he he didn't care which which daughter was with him, but he should have because because that one actually fell in love with him and cared right. enough about him to to be like, hey, you better go. <laughs> but you still have to remember, this is not Saul's story. This is God's story. Saul, if God said, he tells you in his word. God featuring David. If I send you, I will go with you. You know, think about the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When the king threw them in the fire and turned the fire up, they saw four people in the fire. When God sends you to do something, there is always, you may not see it at first and you may not understand it, but there's always a covering. Always. He don't send you out just to have you for no reason. There's a reason behind everything he does. So this story happens to be he used Saul. You know, he he happened to be the bad guy this time. Well, you know, he's still God's child. The Bible says I reign on the just and the unjust. So he's still his child. And the daughters, yeah. Of course, God is going to give him the daughter that's going to protect him. He ain't mm. going to give him the, because he, he's doing God's will. He was called by God to do this. So when you have a calling on your life, it, it can get as crazy as this story. You can get as confused as all. And sometimes I do. <laughs> but I have to remember, you know, if he sends you, he will protect you. He will go with you. You know, so... It, that's why it's still, but you can't. But as humans, we can't look at, we can't help but look at Saul and go, "What the heck? You know God is in control, and you still doing this? Mm. You know, we know you get you depressed and crazy, 
but you still doing this? <laughs> That's just the way it is. Yeah. And uh, uh, going back, uh, when uh, Reverend Whitlock referred to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that uh, <laughs> that's a that's a story in the Book of Daniel, where uh, they were um, uh, Jewish young men that were when uh, Israel and Judah were brought into. Uh, oh, that word! I can't get that word out of my head. What were they brought into? Exile in Babylon. Um, they were uh, they were told to serve another king. Yeah, they were serving the Babylonian king because <laughs> Babylon had, had had sacked Jerusalem and destroyed it and brought all the people into captivity. And uh, so the king uh, proclaims that uh, he makes this huge golden idol. And uh, when uh, these musical instruments were played, all the people in the land were supposed to worship the idol. Well, um, pretty common knowledge that uh, the one God that we worship doesn't like people worshiping idols. And uh, so they refused to do it. So the king heard about it, was uh, incensed, and uh, threw them into a furnace that was burning, I think, seven times as hot as it usually burned. And as they threw them into the furnace, the men that were throwing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace actually burst into flames themselves. Mm. And so when uh, the officials, king's officials, looked into the furnace... They didn't see three people. They saw four. That's crazy. And Jesus they, was with him. Yeah. So when Reverend Whitlock said there's always a covering, that uh, God was clearly with the, the, those three young men. Uh, they were supposed to be making an impact on uh on the the emperor, which they did, because the emperor after that started worshiping their god. Oh, and the, the my favorite part of that story is that the the three men walked out of the furnace, not even smelling like smoke. That that I uh, that was my next question was so so they escaped, they made it out. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. When Jesus is with you, you're always going to make it out. Always, no matter what the situation. And I'll tell people, some it might be on this side of glory, it might be on the other, but you're going to make it out. You're going to make it out the right way. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's a couple points that I think is at the beginning of chapter 19 when, uh, but at some point, of what we've covered so far, Jonathan gives David his robe. Mm -hmm. And gives uh, another robe. So the commentator was writing that um, the relationship uh, between Jonathan and David was very close, and that by Jonathan giving David his robe, in essence, that was symbolic of him giving David his birthright to be king. 
that this is for, this is foreshadowing that David will be king. Ah, a, a passing of of the mantle, so to speak. Yes, and that uh, when we look at David's uh, marriage to Michal, that uh, political marriages. Um, when there was a political marriage uh, between, say, two kings or something like that, uh, the weaker leader would offer their daughter. And the more powerful leader would offer the son. Mm. So Saul offering David his daughter. He's already behind now. Is more foreshadowing that David is the rightful king. Well, I mean, what's he going to do? Marry his son off to David? Well, of of course, but you know, you know, <laughs> I mean, point well taken. <laughs> he doesn't really have any other options, man. <laughs> right, right. Um, but but you know, what the commentator is offering us there are are the traditions of the day. Hmm. Um, and perhaps under normal circumstances, that David being the farmer um, and, and without God's hand on him, would, would he have even been offered a, a royal marriage in the first place? No. You know, I'm sure that the I king... Don't think he I don't even think he would have beat Goliath if, 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 if we're going to, you know, what? hypothesize. True. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and as we look at Jonathan and Mikal, that they are obviously showing more love to David than they are their own father. Well, David's father didn't even call him by name. Did yeah. He? David's own father. Yeah. Mm. Right. All I know is. Everything's going uh David's way. <laughs> <laughs> and Saul needs to relax. <laughs> Somebody needs to take his spear away, lock it up, do something. <laughs> I don't want, I, I don't I don't remember which exactly which chapter it was, but didn't Saul th like throw like try to throw the spear at his own son too when he was defending David? He's like, What? Yeah. Like, yes. like come on, bro, you going after your own kid now too? No control, no control. No kind yeah. of self-control. Yeah, he he he's in a rage. Yeah. Have you been ever been so mad that you can't see that you feel like your blood pressure done went out of the sky? It just went nuts. His <laughs> <laughs> blood pressure is raw on a fast pace. <laughs> and you know, when we look at these scriptures too. And we we uh, we see the insanity that is exhibited by by Saul, and that we we understand that that God uh, has put this this evil spirit on him. But when we look about look at the things that are going on in the world today, mm -hmm. and uh, all the senseless killing, um. The, the the insanity that is reflected in these scriptures with Saul, to be honest with you, I don't think is 
much different than the insanity that we are seeing from our own leaders. I agree. You got a point. <laughs> you know, I mean, we could we could hash out issue by issue, you know, um, which we won't do. We won't get political. But uh, when we think about the last 20 years and all the innocent people that have been uh, blown up, shot up, um uh, senselessly um with our weapons i i i i i'm not one that that uh accepts the justifications of war that are offered by the government so and so i can see i can see a lot of Saul in the people that are running our government right now mm Confused and blind. Oh, hey, hey, Sleepy Joe, he 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 needs some kind of spirit. <laughs> he doesn't have any energy. I'll take the evil spirit. He's, he's someone. Something needs to wake him up. Yeah, yeah. Well, all the boys went to sleep when when Jesus went to pray. Yeah. They just yeah. sleep, and and you know, and it is interesting that for me in politics. Because of the way I look at it, I really can't get mad at anybody. Because when you look at it, they really don't have no control. But the stuff that they're doing as adults is ridiculous. Yeah. It's like they really are asleep. They're sleepwalking. Mm-hmm. How can want, you not see the stuff that that's path. right in front of you? You don't want gun control. But you got kids taking guns to school. You got people going in doctor's office shooting up people. You got this man just now in Maine. Went to two different, two oh, he's, different places. He's still, he's still on the loose. No, he, they found him uh, they last night and killed himself. Oh. If you wanted to kill yourself, just kill yourself. Why take 18 other people with you? It, yeah. it, so it, it's, it's it, when you look at it as people uh, with our thinking, you know, people of God, that can see a little clearer than most people. When you look at it, it does not make sense to us because that's not in our character. That's not in our spirit. We don't, we, that this doesn't happen. We just had to explain about three weeks ago to my six years, my six-year-old great-grandson. He went to school one day and they were trying to explain to a six-year-old that the father of his classmate Killed the, the, the six-year-old daughter, killed the son, 10-year-old son and his wife, and then shot himself. I'm, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't agree with suicide. But but let me say this. If you're going to kill yourself anyway, leave everybody else alone. If you're going to do it anyway, just leave everybody else alone. Go do what you got to do, That you know, whatever. But to kill your entire family that you love. And this person was on the school board. To bring this back to 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 church and stuff is isn't suicide frowned upon? Isn't yes, that like one is. of the things? Isn't that one of the things that's gonna not let you get through the gate? <laughs> well, that's what I used to hear when I was coming up. Yeah, I think uh, I think some church leadership is taking a different approach. I mean, the idea behind it was is that God gave you that life that you, you don't, don't have the right to take it. You don't have the right to extinguish it. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we know, 
more and more about mental illness and things like that. And, right. You know, you can even make a case, you know, EJ, when we were talking about, when we were talking about Genesis and we were mm -hmm. talking about the corruption of the world mm -hmm. and, and knowing the difference between good and evil. So is, is a God that represented by Jesus Christ going to, uh, send somebody to the eternal fires of hell who was unable to navigate this corrupted world and their 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 very sanity was corrupted um and they hey, I, end I up know. killing themselves i mean is you know i mean th those are theological questions those are theological challenges you know unlike unlike some people who like you know yes and no answers uh that we don't we don't serve a yes and no god hmm. that we can speculate what the love of God will do. But in the end, you know, there's a hymn that says we'll understand it by and by, which means that we're going to understand it someday. But not now. Not Probably in heaven, but not now. And, and the Bible also say, if I showed you the mysteries, you know, there's things that we're not meant to understand here. Because the Bible tells us if I told it to you, you wouldn't know what I was talking about anyway. <laughs> and and I don't know half the, I don't understand half the stuff that's going around that's going on today, and he didn't explain it. And it's not in the Bible. But it's real. Yeah. Somebody going around killing children? What could that baby do to you? They need to uh Jesus, Jesus needs to come back, you know, and and oh, remember. He needs to remaster the Bible for for the new age. But you have to remember, a man wrote this. Oh, there's new insanity. <laughs> well, I uh, I would push back on that. Yeah, um, you don't want a remastered Bible. That, that you, I mean, you you uh, we might we might think it's not in the Bible, but if we look close enough, it's there uh, somewhere. It may not be exactly as we see it today. But when we look at the yeah. book of Ecclesiastes, EJ, it says that there is nothing new under the sun. Mm. And, and if I could share this concept with you at this particular point, um, I was listening to a, a journalist that I like to listen to who is uh, e extremely learned, and he's also an ordained Presbyterian minister. And he talks about um, that at the turn of the 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 19th to the 20th century, there was a focus on something called the social gospel and that it was, it was really focused on serving uh, society to lift society up. And the general belief was that humanity was on an upward trajectory to of goodness or of understanding or of enlightenment. And that lasted until World War World War One, which took everybody by surprise, especially you know all these new weapons and everything, and it was a grotesque and bloody war, and so that war blew the, this social this this idea that humanity was on this upward trajectory out of the water, and that 
the idea that humanity, society is cyclical. It, it goes through cycles. When we look into the Bible and, and, and uh, EJ, you know, it says that um, Moses took 40 years to bring the Hebrew people from uh, Egypt to the promised land, which should have been an 11 day trip, but it took them 40 years to do it. They had to go through a cycle. And uh, eventually, you know, so if we take a look at that, that uh, uh, Moses was taking people that were uh, their mindset were being slaves. He had to they had to walk around the desert until that generation died off so that people who were prepared to embrace the promised land, at least to the best of their ability, could walk yeah, into walk the promised land. Up. He I couldn't agree. have. A slave mentality walk yeah. into the promised land. Yeah, no, he don't need people with hangups. Yep. But at some point, you know, that will cycle back around. And I guess off the top of my head, it cycles back around when they go into captivity. That that they were they were servants slash slaves once again. Mm. And that you know, and and at the and at the the trajectory of the Jewish people between entering the Promised Land and captivity was one of social degradation. All the prophets were coming and saying, "You're not treating the poor and the widows correctly. You are worshiping idols. You you have to change. You have to live by God's by God's commands." And they didn't listen, and so society fell apart. And then right now, yes. And if we look at where we are right now, perfect example. Yeah, that we that we're going through a cycle. Yes, with the wars and who's at war. Um, and I and actually I prayed that this morning on on um you know that until we get it, we the children called by God until we get it. Nothing's going to change because he's saying the Bible says we should be doing greater things. This it is, you know, but until we get it, we can point fingers at whoever we want. We can point fingers at the government. We can point fingers at church leaders. We can point fingers, but until we get it, Second Chronicles says, "If my people that are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways." Then I will heal from heal heal from heaven and heal their land. It's just that simple. That one scripture tells us tells us until we get it, you're mm -hmm. gonna have wars, rumors of wars. You're gonna have hunger. You're gonna have depression. You're gonna and it's just gonna keep going. Jesus turned the temple upside down. Why? Because they turned it into a den of thieves. Yeah, and he turned it into a shopping mall. And he's turning no. some he's turning some churches upside down right now. Your government is turned upside down right now. You just have to look at it for what it is. And for Palestine and Israel to be at war. Well, are you reading this in the Bible? It's in there. But until we get it and do what we're supposed to do. My prayer is just, just uh, my prayer today is just I want God to show me what little part that I play that I need to do so that when I do see him face to face, he won't say, didn't I tell you? 
He's going to say that about a few things, but I don't want him to say about that. <laughs> 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 <My ending> job. <laughs> Girl, how many times I have to tell you that wasn't going to work? Uh, okay. You know, so, but when you think about it, I just want to say, Brother Moran, I, Reverend Moran, this was interesting to me, and I enjoyed it more than I thought. I was kind of scared in the beginning, but this was really, really good because it reminded me of two other stories. One is Paul and Silas when they were in prison and, and they sang and praised God and the, and the shackles were loose, the shackles were loose and the jailer, the one that locked them up, the mm -hmm. one that hold the key said, what must I do to be saved? There's always a reason. The story of Joseph, bunch of brothers, Little old farmer back there were, you know, hiding out in the field with the animals. Favorite of his father. Got a coat of many, got a coat of many colors and ended up being the person that fed them when the famine came. Mm -hmm. But yeah. look at all he had to go through to get where he is. Yeah. I don't know if Brother Reverend Moran had to go through, but when I look at my life to where I came from, huh, and somebody said, would you do it again? And I had to think for a minute because, you know, Going to sleep with a gun to your head and, you know, being molested and raped and in a foster home. But to become the person I am right here, sitting here now, I'd go through all of it again. And my son told me I was crazy when I told him that. It, it, I mean, I, it sounds a little crazy, but I mean, you are right. You, you would be a whole other person if, if, if things went different. I should have been dead. Not and nothing to offer anyone, mm -hmm. but because of the struggles and because of the things I went through, there is a multitude of people that I can be encouragement to and tell them that they can make it. You know, I can, I young women struggling as single mothers, you know, Reverend Whitlock, don't try to be like me, don't tell them nobody, don't even mention that to God, don't tell him because baby, you can't handle fire. <laughs> it's a lot different out here now. You know, but when Saul at the end of the story, when y'all get to the end, I might kind of chime in until you get to the end of it um, to see where you end up at. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a blessing, just like it was a blessing at the end of Job's story. Job not only got back what he lost, he got back tenfold. What is the jail got saved? Shadrach and Meshach wasn't burned. Joseph was ended up feeding his family. You don't know where your story is going to take you. You just can't. You just don't have the right to give up. Mm -hmm. So, what chapter are we on now? Twenty. We're on twenty. Twenty. So yes. Uh, <clears throat> so chapter twenty. So when David uh, uh, fled from uh, Naoth at Ramah. He went to Jonathan and asked, what have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he's trying to kill me? And never Jonathan replied, you are not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything great or small without letting me know. Why would he hide this from me? So and David uh, took an oath and said, your father knows very well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he he has said to himself, Jonathan must not know this or he will be grieved. Yet as surely as God lives and as you live, there is only one step between me and death. 
And Jonathan said, what do you want me to do? And so they, they, they conceive this, this plan that, um, uh, this is a, f- a new moon feast and that David is supposed to be in the number at Saul's table. He tells Jonathan, go tell your father that uh, uh, I went to my, that my older brother called me home for the feast. And uh, commentary says that would not have been unusual. Mm. So that would not have been unusual. Um, and uh, that if, you know, your father uh, gets very angry, then we'll know that he wants to kill me. Uh, but if he reacts uh, some other way, um, then uh, then he doesn't. And then they'd also devise this plan that uh, Jonathan will go to a field, and if he shoots the arrows um, past a certain point and, and, and shouts that to his servant to retrieve the arrows, then that means that uh, Saul wants to kill David, but if he shoots them, uh, a shorter distance, then that means he doesn't. And uh, let me just make sure that I'm not uh, missing anything. No, that sounds about right. Okay. So, um, so what do we think of Jonathan? Hey, he's a ride or die. Uh, he seems like the best, for, like, like a, a great friend to have. Yeah. But- yeah, he, he seems uh, he seems a bit innocent, though. I don't want to say ignorant, but I, I think it comes out of innocence that his inclination is not to think poorly of his father. Well, I mean, you know, his dad is the king. He he, you would want to think the king is is a decent guy. <laughs> you want to think your dad's a decent guy? Yeah, you want to think your dad? Yeah. yeah. I you think he was blinded to the fact that his father could do or would do anything to harm somebody that was as kind and that was as smart and anyone that was called by God. You know, I, who who wants to think like that? My dad's going to hurt somebody? And, and, David my literally, and David literally did pretty much whatever Saul told him to do. So exactly. it, just, it doesn't make sense. It's not like he didn't listen. Like he's like, hey, go go do this. All right. Hey, go do that. Okay. Yeah, and so if I was looking at it from Jonathan's perspective, I'd be like, no, my dad's not going to do anything to you. You've been faithful to my dad. You've been, you know, you, you've been a part of the family. You're married to my sister. You're mm-hmm. my best friend. My dad wouldn't do none of that. Hmm. <laughs> Does it say beware of what? <laughs> beware. Because that's because yeah. it's glitter. It does not mean it's gold. Yeah, everything that glitters isn't gold. Right. But I could see him, and I and I don't even want to call him naive because that he's going by facts. You know, it would have been a little better if uh, if David would have told uh, John, your sister literally warned me that men were going to go to my house to kill me. You know, I think if he would have said that, maybe. John would have changed his mind a little, you know, like, oh, well, maybe you're right. Maybe yeah, but is. sometimes we, we tend to shoot the messenger. Mm. Um, sometimes yeah, we that's t- a good point. 
sometimes we shoot the messenger and and I don't think he would have said it because he didn't want to rock the family. He didn't want to, you know, he didn't want to cause confusion. He just wanted to do what God had told him to do. You know, and sometimes you step in and say, oh, but your sister said so and so and so. That's just going to blow up a whole nother, you know, this is my wife. I love her. Uh, well, now my sister's a liar. And... Yeah. If your father is coming up against me and you're telling me that, now my responsibility is to protect you. And by not saying something sometimes and just be watchful. Um, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't fault him for not saying anything because mm. I think it could have caused more harm than good. Okay. And and that's something we all need to learn to shut up sometimes. I I agree. I, I might, <laughs> might talk a little too much. <laughs> sometimes we tell the enemy. I used sometimes we tell the enemy just how to get us. I used to laugh. Who was it? They were trying to um, they were trying to catch, and they tried to say Obama found them. What was that crazy man they was trying to catch? Oh my God! What is his name? I want to say Saddam. What? What's his what name? are they trying to catch in in what uh oh uh Osama bin Laden? Yes. Okay. I used to laugh because I said he's sitting in the hotel next door watching y'all on the news because y'all tell everything. So <laughs> every time you go looking for him, he know where you're at. So he goes sit on the other side of town. That's why they couldn't find him because the news was telling them where they were. Mm -hmm. The same the same, you know, the same thing. Running your yeah, that's just my commercial. Okay. Um, there, there was. Uh, I, I don't know if this sparks anything, uh, but it, it stood out to me when I read it, and I didn't find an answer. So when um, I'll just read this passage of scripture twenty, chapter twenty, starting with uh, verse twenty four. So David uh, hid in the field, and when the new moon feast came, the king sat down to eat. He sat in his customary place by the wall opposite Jonathan, and Abner sat next to Saul, but David's place was empty. Saul said nothing that day, for he thought something must have happened to David to make him ceremoniously unclean. Surely he is unclean. So on that first day, and, and uh, EJ, uh, that um, there are certain things that you could do in the Jewish tradition, touch certain things like touch blood or something that's dead that would make you ceremoniously, ceremoniously unclean. Mm. And then it, you would not be able to participate in, in certain things. And the most, you know, the, there were ways of cleansing yourself. However, like somebody who had uh, leprosy uh, was always viewed as unclean. So pretty uh, much. Pretty much Saul gave him the benefit of the doubt the first day. He was like, well, something must have happened. He wouldn't well, do it on purpose. I don't know. Was it the best? I mean, any thoughts on why that would have been his first thought? Maybe it was the benefit of the doubt. No, I, don't know. I think so. I think so. Because, you know, David did pretty much everything Saul told him to do. So he was like, well, if he if he's not here, he must he must be sick or, or unclean. There's no way he would just bail on, on the feast. Okay. All right. But look at chapter, look at verse 8, 28. Jonathan answered, David earnestly asked me for permission to go to Bethlehem. There you got Jonathan again, protecting David. 
Yeah. Covering him. Yeah, he this is on the second him. day. Yes. Because he asks, and he doesn't even call him by his name. He had, uh, Saul asked Jonathan, why hasn't the son of Jesse come to the meal, either yesterday or today? And then, uh, you know, as we pointed out, that uh, that that Jonathan's answer, um, quoting David, let me go because our family is observing a sacrifice in the town and my brother has ordered me to be there. Um, that, you know, according to the commentary, that would not have been unusual. I mean, it might be a little unusual when uh, when when you're invited by the king, you know. It's one thing if you're like, hey, sorry, neighbors, I got to go hang out with the family for for the feast, you know. But when the king invites you, I feel like you might have to might have to take him up on his invitation. Yeah, it, exactly. And that's probably why it made uh, ceremonial unclean. But if you go to, to to verse 30. Is where Saul turned because of it, Saul eventually turned on his son. Yeah. And then, and then when Jonathan uh, felt threatened, he he reacted like his father. Jonathan got up from the table in fierce anger. Yeah, maybe it's just in the genes. <laughs> yeah. And so we are getting to the end. So any uh, final thoughts on uh, these three scriptures and the, and the rise of David? I thought the plan that they uh, that they came up with for, to warn to warn David if he should go or not well, went pretty well. I think so. Yeah, because uh, even even uh, the the kid that he had that he told him to go get the arrows and oh they went past you you know. Maybe, maybe, maybe you should, you should go. You know, he, he was talking to the kid, but that was like a straight message today. I thought that was good. I thought it was pretty, pretty clever. Okay. I actually, my favorite part of this story is it showed me how God will protect you when he sends you out because everything Saul threw at David, he was protected. And, and it was in the plan. And you can see it wasn't just, it just didn't happen. That that plan was so, you know, like one, two, three. It wasn't all over the place. It was like by steps. And you could see not only Saul's confusion, but you can, the best part about it, you could see God's protection mm. over David. You know, he married the right daughter. You know, Saul's son became his, his his best friend in this covering. So you, that was that's my favorite part of it was because I could see God um, covering Saul, and that Saul, means Saul's whole army started praying. <laughs> right, Saul would. That's like that's like sitting in church with a drunk. <laughs> you know, they drunk and they praying. And then they talking off the side that, you know, they're unbalanced. Hmm. And to tell the truth, most of us before God calls us are just that unbalanced. Because we're back and forth and back and forth. Choose this day who you're going to serve. 
that's that's you know what you know when you think about it, it says the Bible says what you want to do good uh, trouble always follows you you know and it's a struggle it's a struggle but you don't have the right to give up mm-hmm. amen <laughs> and uh, I'm going to read the last uh, couple paragraphs of this scripture. So after the boy had gone, that's the boy that collected the arrows, David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. And they kissed each other and wept together, but David wept the most. Jonathan said to David, go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left, and Jonathan went back to the town. So David is continuing to honor uh, their different social positions in that he's still honoring uh, uh, Jonathan as a prince. Yeah, even though he got married into the family, he's still bowing and being real respectful. Yes. But that's just David. That's who he is. Right. And that uh, commentary said that uh, the, uh, it's not a greeting, but uh, what do you say when you're saying goodbye? I forgot the word for it, but um, the uh, the expression go in peace was a an expression that a superior would say to a subordinate. Mm. So that, 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 that's that status is is still there. Yeah, they're best friends, but he still knows he's uh he's the prince. Yes. So, so that's where we're leaving David. He's going off. To nod. <laughs> Him going to nod. Reverend Moran, when you do your next segment. I don't have to be included, but I need to know because I need to be. I need. To, I need to finish this up with y'all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, well, you're to catch myself up with it now that I'm I'm caught up. Yeah, okay. I, need, I need to. Yeah, because this is good. All right. Well, uh, you you are you have an open invitation to join us. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I just need you to let me know when. Okay. All right. And uh, so we end the same. We end the episode the same way every time that our guest prays us out. So, Reverend Whitlock, will you please pray us out? Amen. Amen. Oh God, I am so grateful. We are truly grateful that you have carved out this time to allow us to come together and just search your word and and learn more about you and and see what connects and what doesn't connect. But God, first of all, we're grateful that you allow us to see that it's, you are in control of everything. And no matter where you send us, and no matter what you design for us to do, you will always be there. You will be our protector. You will be our shield. You'll be our way maker. You are our father. You are our friend. You are our wheel in the middle of the wheel. And you are all that we stand in need of, God. So Today, we say thank you. Thank you for the thank story you, of David. Thank you for how you use Saul 
But let us always remember, God, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, no matter what it sounds like, you are in control. And that we from here on will not give the devil so much credit. So, God, I thank you for Reverend Moran, how he studies your word and how he really does this uh, this uh, podcast. And we thank you for this young man who is seeking, seeking with his whole heart to learn about you. And he is in it. He has the right questions. God, please put a shield of protection around him. Let nothing come up against him, God, that will hinder his growth in you. We ask you to bless their homes, bless their families, keep all hellhounds away from them. And we'll be so careful to give you the honor, the glory, and the praise that you truly deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good night. My friend, Brother Miranda. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Why, Jay? <laughs>